Hey team, welcome to the very first episode of the Sally O'Neill podcast where I get to be your clinical nutritionist for a very quick snippet of time and I'll take you through some evidence-based topics and tools that will help you reach your goals faster and more sustainably than ever before. Now, it's my mission to empower you with the really juicy bits of my nutrition degree and experience in clinical practice so that you can become the scientist of your own body and build a beautiful relationship with food and exercise and then hopefully fire me because you're utterly self-sufficient with it. Now, today we're going to talk about dietary adherence. And before I dive in, I've actually got a quick favor to ask, which is super rude because we haven't even had a first date yet. But if this podcast brings you any value, I would love for your feedback to hit me up with a five star rating if you haven't left one yet, which you won't have. Um, just a sentence or two about whether you enjoyed it and what you loved about it, because it helps me create more of what you love and bring even more value to this community with better content. Now, if you're listening to this on your daily walk while you're getting your steps in, hats off to you, or on your commute or your meal prepping, please share and tag me. Your community can get value from it too, and I'll be sure to repost your content as a thank you for sharing the love. Now, let's dig into this week's topic because I feel like I should have started off with the basics of diet, right? Energy balance, calories in, calories out, how to be on a diet, how to lose weight. However, let's be honest, I'm going to be preaching to the choir. You guys already know that you need to be in a caloric deficit to lose weight. And that's probably not the issue. The issue is probably dietary adherence, right? So the ability to stick to your deficit over a long period to get the results that you're after. So rather than talk about energy balance, which I'll probably come to at some point down the track, let's dive into the juicy part of what is actually going on with your ability to adhere to diet and give you some tips and tricks on how to improve that. So we all know low-carb diet, high-carb diet, low-fat diet, paleo, carnivore, cookie diet, the military diet, and so on and so on, can actually help you lose weight because they all have one thing in common. It's a repackaged caloric deficit. And granted, they only work if you adhere to them, which let's be honest, most people can't because these diets or approaches cut too many foods or food groups. And within a few weeks, we're binging on exactly what we've missed out on. So we know that weight loss doesn't solely depend on the type of the diet that you follow, but it, what it actually depends on is how long you can adhere to it. And that's what matters. Now, we also know two minutes of bad decisions can undo a whole day's work of sticking and following to your plan. Now, who can relate to this? You've had a horrible day at work. You've had to make a million decisions in the office. And then you get home, you have dinner, and then shit kind of hits the fan at dessert, right? Where you end up consuming a whole tub of ice cream, a hot chocolate, and a bag of lollies. Now, I get it. You're tired after a long day of work, and it's soothing to unwind and zone out and just put things in your mouth. But then afterwards, you're left feeling super annoyed and frustrated. And you've kind of undone all the great that you've been doing for yourself on that day. And you feel like you've got to pick up and start over again the next day. So, let's chat tips for dietary adherence. I've gone ahead and I've bullet pointed 
six solid tips to help you with the dietary adherence that I feel like are going to really get you on your journey to your best self. Number one is to follow a sustainable plan. You'll have heard me speak about this. I started a business called Status 8020, which is actually my coaching platform. And the reason behind it or the the reason behind the name is that I want people to follow a plan that is able to keep you adherent. And the reasoning behind the 80-20 split is it's 80% whole foods, 20% of the foods that you absolutely love. And that can be lollies, ice cream, chocolate, whatever you need. And that balance and that approach helps you adhere to the long-term deficit. Okay. So that's why I created the coaching program after a couple of years in clinic, seeing that women turning to me and saying, I'm so frustrated. I fell off the bandwagon. I'm really annoyed at myself. It's not you that's broken. It's the system that's broken. It doesn't work for you. And what I have found has worked for my clients is to allow them to follow a diet that doesn't restrict, right? It doesn't restrict food groups and it doesn't restrict certain foods. And it allows you to eat in a normal way that is normal for you. But it also provides plenty of micronutrients and macronutrients. Now, I'm not here to sell you my coaching. I merely wanted to describe how I program sustainable food and sustain, sustainable dieting for people. So, Aggressive deficits are super exciting for people, right? They love to follow a crash hot diet where you're on a really strong deficit and it might be, I don't know, 70% or 60% of the calories that you normally intake and you think you're going to get super fast, super exciting results. And yes, sure, you can do that for two or three weeks no problems. Most people can stick to something for two or three weeks. But we know that cutting to such an aggressive level is not sustainable. And after following the diet for a certain period of time on a defined set of super low calories, your body will adapt to that caloric amount and it will stop losing fat. So then you need to lower the calories again. The best approach in my experience is to start following a moderate caloric deficit, which granted is not as exciting or sexy, staying around the 15 to 20% below your maintenance calories is a really good start. So if your maintenance calories, for example, is 2,400, then you want a deficit between 300 and 480 calories. That's just some percentage maths taking you back to school. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it's not like the aggressive dieting strategy won't work. It does because you are in a severe deficit, but you need the proper guidance to implement it properly so that your body doesn't backfire on you on the other side of the diet. And hence, if you lose weight while creating a moderate deficit, it's much easier to maintain and you can do it slower over a longer period of time. Now, if you want your fat loss window to be a sustainable one, I really recommend that you start from those higher calories. So a 15 to 20% deficit and allow your body to steadily adjust over time, giving yourself room to move into lower calories as your body adapts. So number one, you want to follow that sustainable plan, not an aggressive deficit. Number two, tip number two for dietary adherence. 
set your environment up for success. I can't express how many times I have spoken to clients and they, for some reason, think that it's going to be easy to follow a deficit when they're surrounded by highly palatable foods and they just think that willpower will get them through. You have a finite amount of willpower and most of that will be used up on the kids or at work. You do not want to be constantly questioning and looking at treats and going, should I have that? Am I hungry? That looks yummy. No, I'm not going to eat that now. You're just setting yourself up for failure. Just like I wouldn't suggest an alcoholic goes to work in a bar, why would you surround yourself by delicious snacks all day when you're on a deficit? Like you're literally making your life hard work. Now, most people generally downplay their living environment. If your house is full of high caloric food, it's going to be so difficult to control yourself if you don't have healthy alternatives prepared. So simple solution, don't bring it in the house. If you have to bring it in the house for whatever reason, keep it in like an opaque jar, out of sight, out of mind, like make it difficult to reach if you need to keep it for the kids. I would argue though, and I again, I say this to clients, like do you need to keep unhealthy snacks that you're trying to avoid for your kids to eat? That would be my question. Or could you be working together as a family to have healthier options and then save the treat foods when you're all out together? Like you go for a walk and you all get like an individually wrapped lolly or chocolate bar on, and, and that is the way that you approach it. So it is considered a treat rather than everyday grab and go food. So tip number two, set your environment up for success. Number three, I bang on about this all the time. It's so important and I used to really ignore it. But sleep is your best friend on a deficit. Now, poor sleep increases your hunger hormone ghrelin, which I always refer to as gremlin. Right? That's the thing that makes your tummy rumble. And it decreases your satiety hormone, which is called leptin. And as a result, when you don't sleep enough, you eat more. I've noticed this heaps in my pre-period insomnia. So a couple of days before my bleed, sorry if there's guys listening to this, but you should know, we generally will have a couple of poor nights of sleep, really common. And the following days, I am ravenous. Like literally a few days ago, I woke up at 3am, I couldn't go back to sleep. And then the rest of the day was a shitstorm with my appetite. It was absolutely insatiable, could not put enough food down my throat. Now, I know you've experienced that too. So a lot of that is to do with the ghrelin and the leptin not sending the appropriate signals to my brain. The best thing you can do, obviously, is try to prioritize sleep, whether that means you go to sleep earlier or you work on the quality of your sleep or you create a morning routine that allows you to sleep in a little more. Now, researchers have found that if you sleep less, you tend to consume around 500 calories more. And when I say sleep less, sleep less than your optimal amount. Okay, and that is slightly different for everyone. I know I feel best on seven and a half hours. I feel groggy on eight hours. It's very specific. And six and a half, I'm probably reaching for coffee. Anything less than that, I'm a mess. Um, but I can get away with six and a half hours, ideally more like the seven and seven and a half for me. Now, 
The choices of foods when you're sleep deprived generally lean towards the high caloric foods like cookies, chocolate, ice cream, high carb food, bread, pasta. So try to create a system to go to sleep on time and get up at a decent, consistent time with seven hours at least in between those two points. No caffeine or stimulating activities for at least 30 minutes before bed, guys, please. No caffeine. Actually, like caffeine thing should actually be well done and dusted by lunchtime. The stimulating activities, nothing before that 30-minute period when it's lights out. So you can try taking things like a warm shower. You can read books. You can listen to an audio book. I don't want you scrolling through your phone. I don't want you watching TV. It needs to be offline, right? You can definitely listen to an audio book, but don't be looking at your phone at the same time. Now, this tip I love, <laughs> girls, listen in. Orgasms also help you get sleeping. So if you need to grab your vibrator or your partner to de-stress, come and sleep. You're going to thank me for that later. Tip number four is meal prep. Like, of course, you're going to be more adherent if you have the meals packed and ready to go. I actually wrote an entire cookbook on this called Meal Prep Plan, I think back in 2018, many moons ago. Now, meal prep plays a really important role in adherence, especially if you're working with like kids or living in a joint family. So, Try to buy all your groceries for the week in one go and prep it in advance for the coming days. This is the best strategy I've tried and what works for most clients. So you can cut up your veggies, marinate your chicken, portion it, refrigerate it. It helps deviations from the plan because you're not having to make things up on the spot or reach for whatever is available. Now, the less decision you have to make around mealtimes, the better your dietary adherence will be. You'll stick to the plan. You'll get results. So tip number four is meal prep. Number five, track your progress. What gets measured gets improved. I feel like I say that maybe 10 times a week, but it's so important to track what is happening Understand how to track your own progress so that you understand when you need to change your deficit and when you need to change your workouts. So there's a few things to keep in mind. I personally really like weighing myself every morning and I've really detached my emotional connection to the scales by actually doing it every morning because I expect fluctuations. I know that it's not going to go in a linear fashion downwards or upwards or stay the same because your body does not work like that. Now, weighing yourself every morning is actually just a great data point to see what is happening across the month, right? So collect data, see what the trend is, what the overall trend is, and then make adjustments as needed. The other thing I would say is taking pictures weekly or every fortnight is a great way to track progress. Now, we all know weight isn't the best measure of progress because you might be putting muscle on and it weighs more. You might be holding water. Your hormones, ladies, will be fluctuating depending on what phase of the menstrual cycle you're in, if you are menstruating. So visual feedback from photos is a great way of tracking progress. I love keeping a workout log. Now, this is off topic from tracking macros and calories, but it's also helpful to see the strength that you're gaining. It'll keep your motivation high. So I highly recommend keeping that workout log. There is one on my coaching platform for that reason, because it really helps people understand whether they're progressing and how they're progressing. 
Now, final thing to mention is you should be measuring your food on a kitchen scale if you haven't tracked for a long time. So for me, I can pretty much eyeball some things like chicken breasts I'm pretty good at. I would never eyeball something that's high um, in calories. So things like eyeballing peanut butter, <laughs> like one tablespoon of peanut butter from one day to the next can be completely different in size, right? Because of the depth of the scoop and whatnot, and depending on how hungry I am. So using the scale in those scenarios is very helpful. If you haven't ever tracked, definitely start weighing your food until you get a really good handle on what it looks like when you portion out 100 calories of rice or 30 grams of nuts or whatever you're keeping track of. So go and buy kitchen scale if you don't have one and learn what a portion is. Now, always with anything in life, you're going to get better results if you can quantify the data and see some insights so that you can understand what strategy to follow next. If you're just literally flying by the seat of your pants, good luck on the progression part. Number five, track progress. What gets measured gets improved. And final point for dietary adherence is to follow a plan that isn't insanely restrictive in food groups. Okay, so you should be able on any dietary approach to eat what you love and to keep energy balance in mind at the same time so that it doesn't make dieting harder for you. Now, it becomes really easy to follow a diet if you include your favorite foods. So for example, if we take your current diet now, think about a normal day for you. You wake up, you have an almond latte, you probably have some sort of overnight oats or eggs or toast or whatever, right? If you could keep all of that and you drop, say, 20% of the volume of each, so you go from a large latte to a three-quarter latte or you go from three eggs and a piece of toast to two eggs and two pieces of protein bread, right? All these little swaps that you can do that help you achieve that 15 to 20% deficit, but doesn't move you away from your current diet that you already love. That approach is going to help you massively in adhering to your long-term diet or to your long-term deficit. So include your favorite foods. Now, I encourage people to use 20% of their calories each day. So the, the whole premise behind 80-20 on those treat foods or those sometimes foods. And if you do it every day, and I'll speak about this on a separate episode, but supply and demand tells us that if there's plenty of supply, so if you allow it every day, the demand or the value or the craving for it vastly diminishes. You can see that in the housing market, right? There's a, a lack of supply and the value is driven up. If you flip reverse that and provide loads of supply of your chocolate or of apartments, right? Same thing applies. The value that you place on it decreases because there's so much of it. And you're kind of like, yeah, I get some tomorrow or yeah, there's a thousand apartments. I can go and get a different one. Right. So then it becomes less urgent that you have all of it now or you have that apartment. Hope that makes sense. So if you can't live without milk in your coffee, make sure you include it in your diet. If you can't live without a glass of wine on a weekend, include it in your diet. You need to account for it. 
So now you should understand that you shouldn't be unnecessarily restricting yourself from the foods that you love. You can reduce your weight by eating your regular food and just creating a deficit. Or you can let somebody else program for you that includes treats and it is a move away from your current diet, but still the healthy, nutritious foods that you need to take um, to feel great. And then you get to eat the treats that are going to keep you adherent. So let's just recap that. The six tips to follow and to be adherent to your diet. Number one, follow a sustainable plan that hasn't got an insanely aggressive deficit. We're looking at 15 to 20%. Number two, set up your environment for success. Number three, get some sleep. Number four, I want you to meal prep. Number five, track your progress. And number six, follow a plan that isn't insanely restrictive. Now, the best diet for fat loss or for fitness or for whatever the goal is that you're looking for is not limited to any specific diet or plan or process but actually something that you can build for yourself and adopt over a lifetime. Now, my suggestion is to try implementing the the points aforementioned and to start enjoying and including those favorite foods so you can even go to celebrations and enjoy lunch with your girlfriends and not feel guilt around it and just be like, you know what, this is part of my normal diet, that's cool. I've got a plan in place for the rest of the time. Be active, manage your stress and get enough sleep. Now, I usually get clients come to me that fit in one of three categories and I'd be interested to know which one you fit into. So they've read articles online, they've watched videos, they've listened to podcasts just like this, but they aren't sure exactly how to put all the pieces together for their lifestyle. So that's category one. Category two is they know what to do. They know that they need to be in a deficit. They know they need to eat more veg, drink more water and so on. But they just need someone to hold them accountable because they fall off the wagon. And number three is they just want an expert to do the maths on the macros and the meals to take the guesswork out of it because that is all too hard basket. Now, if any of those are you and that speaks to you, do run dedicated coaching programs because it's all well and good listening to this stuff and being like, yeah, I get it. I've heard it before. I know I need to do these things. But if no one's actually holding you accountable or guiding you through it and you're that person, you're that person that needs that accountability, then that's why I have a coaching program. So I'm going to add the links into the comments section beneath the podcast. And bonus, it costs less than a weekly session with a personal trainer at your local gym. Thank you so much for listening to this very first episode of the Sally O'Neill podcast. Such an inventive name, I know. If you have any requests for future topics or episodes, please send me a DM on Instagram. I'll also link that in the description on the show notes. But I'm at the Fit Foodie blog. And I can't wait to chat to you next time.